Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today we're going to take a look ahead at the second round of the UCI Cyclocross World Cup and here to do that with me is Caleb Swartz. Caleb, welcome on the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. For the people watching on YouTube, you already have noticed this is our first podcast with video and we are looking forward to it and I mean, I'm still recovering a little bit from the World Cup and Waterloo because it was an amazing race on the women's side. It was very late to edit everything. But I must have imagined that for you, Caleb, World Cup in your own country, always special. Yeah. Yeah, very special. And um, it's actually even closer to home for me because I grew up um, only 25 minutes from Waterloo. Yeah, it must be very special then. Uh, were there many of your friends watching? Yeah, yeah. I started doing this race for the first time in 2013, so this is my ninth time racing here, actually. Um, and yeah, there's a lot. There's a very big cycling community in Wisconsin in the Midwest here. Um, so yeah, many many friends came out to watch. People from you know school and before school and um, all, all many people. <laughs> Now we're going to Fayetteville. Last year we had a World Cup and of course the World Championships there. You raced the World Championships. Could you tell us a bit about the course? Yeah, I think it was very similar between the World Cup and the World Championships last year. Um, honestly, I'm not. There are a few small changes, but not many. Um, well, primarily being that it was muddy for the World Cup and dry for World Championships. Um, and I think it will be dry and hot again this weekend on Friday and Saturday or Sunday. Um, so yeah, the course is, has a good bit of climbing. It has no barriers. It has no sand pit, but it has, yeah, lots of elevation changes, a few, quite a few off cambers, um, one very big run up, a few big steep drop-ins, but overall not a super technical course, nothing you need to, you know, ride over and over, and over again, but it's very high speed. And the high speed is what makes it technical because your mistakes are amplified and you can lose groups or if you crash, you're going to crash very hard. Waterloo also had a very fast course. Do you expect a similar race or do you think that, well, we saw, of course, easy beat right away very quickly, but that was kind of uncommon on a course like that. Do you maybe expect a more like what we saw on the women's side, uh, grouped racing, more bunched racing for the women's race or for the men's race in this case? Yeah, I think unless Ely is, you know, ahead above again, um, I would expect more group racing. I think, honestly, in the dry, it'll be a very similar course. And I think even less technical, no, you know, really tricky off cambers or descents like Waterloo has. Not even, you know, a really, really big steep run up or anything either, other than the stairs. So I think there'll be less um, less pinch points on the course where things will come together. Um, so, yeah, I think even faster and even more group racing and group tactics. Ailey was super strong in Waterloo, able to ride away. I don't know what you saw it from a bit further in the middle of the pack, but Lauren Zweig had a bad start and then eventually came pretty close to closing the gap to Isabit. How do you think that Lauren Zweig will cope on a course like Fayetteville? Yeah, I think if he can ride well at Waterloo, he'll certainly ride well at um, Fayetteville. I think, yeah, very similar efforts, very high power, very high speed. Um, and I think on the Waterloo course, it's so hard to close gaps because the speed is so high. It's almost like a road race. Um, I think Sweek said himself that, yeah, you know, if it hadn't been for that start, he thought, he, you know, maybe he could have got him. I think more or less 
Um, some of the better starts, I think he'd certainly like to be up then. I'm sure he'll, he can do it. And I think it'll probably, unless he really does the same thing again. Um, I think it'll be a bigger group, but it's definitely less technical. So I would think there would be more of a group. Yeah. But on the other hand, Fayetteville does have this super steep climb. And if you really launch an attack there, I think the same goes. If you have a gap in Fayetteville, it's also difficult to close it. Although you do have this section before the Stonehenge section that's really long uphill and drawing in your legs. That might be a place where it's a bit easier to catch a group. But yeah, it, it, it the course has its charms with these different factors. It's very atypical. But yeah, I agree with you. If Sveik has a good start, I 100% think he will be up there. I, last week, well, in Waterloo, I don't think he could have beaten Ailey. Ailey was just too strong on the day. If you can ride a race at the front like that, you are just the best. And that ultimately also thinks, and this makes me think, that Isabit is also the top favorite going into Fayetteville, but with Sveik being a close second. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, if you can ride alone like that and hold it out of that course, you're clearly the best. And I think, you know, maybe Sveik would have ridden with him and you know, tried to fight it out, but yeah, I think Ely would have got him, and yeah, I agree with the big hill, it's very decisive at Fayetteville, and you know, there's no no faking it on up that hill, only the strongest will come over the top in the lead, and um, anyone who can't can't cut it won't, won't be there. Unfortunately, there's no Lars van der Haar at the start this weekend in Fayetteville, he has traveled back home to rest a bit, he says he's a bit old now, experienced, he knows the effects of the jet lag on the rest of his season. He wants to be very good in Tabor because that's a course he likes, he wants to win there and he's focusing on the championships again. Of course, he also became a dad, so he's also saying that that plays a factor which makes sense because his little girl Sophia is only one month old. 100% understand this decision, but it will, in my opinion, make for an interesting race for the final spot on the podium, at least assuming that Elian Laurens are both at the same level as in Waterloo. We have Michael van Turen out. We also had a very strong Thibaut Nice in Waterloo. Pim Bronner has shown that he's capable of ending in the podiums in, well, Besançon last year in the World Cup, fourth in Beringen. He said he had mixed feelings about the result here in Waterloo, that there was maybe more in it. Do you think that those riders will fight it out, or are there maybe even other names in a bigger pack behind that you can see and on the podium? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um, I think, yeah, I wonder what the what was told to Thibaut and um, Lars last weekend. I wonder if you know Thibaut was probably you know helping Lars for the podium for the overall. Then Ventura knew he kind of was worked over, um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there without Lars. You know, maybe that's Thibaut just to go for maybe uh, him. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, there's a lot of the big names, and I wonder. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Sometimes the jet lag hits later, sometimes it hits earlier. So there might be people who felt okay initially um, this past weekend who will, you know, not feel so good next weekend and, you know, end the other way around. Some people who felt bad will now feel much better. Um, and yeah, it'll be, I think, probably similar, but maybe a few different people here and there who are more into it and more mixed in, um, especially with probably bigger groups and more big groups. Yeah, I think the course really suits Thibaut. Uh, we know he has a history in road racing or well it's not really a big history but he became European champion under 23 last year. We've seen mm -hmm. him do well in Waterloo now. We know the form is there. We know it's a big goal of his to do well here and I don't really think that this is a course for Michael van Turenhout. 
I know he doesn't really like these faster type of courses. He likes the mud, which I think everyone does, but he really excels in the mud. And if we look at yeah. it, where did he get his two wins? Kruibaker, which was a mud fest. Molebaker, also a very muddy race, at least on sections. Mm-hmm. And in Beringa, which was really the ultimate test for the condition, Isabit gave him a gap due to the team tactics. And then he got caught by Van der Haar. Ronar was close by. So I think that this course, also, as you mentioned, the jet lag, this combination, because Paul Sousa came late. So normally they try to avoid the jet lag in the first weekend, then hope to have it in the midweek and be fresh the second weekend. But that doesn't always turn out well. I'm personally <clears throat> looking at Thibaut and Pim to fight it out for the spot on the podium. And I think it's very interesting. These two riders are both racing the Friday race there as well. Do you think that that's a benefit to really get to know the course on race speed? I think Thibaut was not, was Thibaut, no, Thibaut was at Worlds, that's right. And so I think if both raced it, um, yeah, I think it's definitely beneficial to race it. But at the same time, there's not a whole lot to figure out. It's fairly similar to the other, you know, the Worlds, and it'll be the same Friday and Sunday, more or less. And it's not super technical. But I think, you know, part of it is you're already here, you're already at the race, you know, you might as well go compete and go fast and, still C1. So good points, good money. Um, you know, why not, why not compete? Um, you know, they, it, Europeans particularly race so much compared to the American riders. And I think that's something, something I've worked on is racing more to try and emulate that a little bit. And I think that's something that they, they're used to if they're over the jet lag and they're ready to go. Um, yeah. Why not, you know, compete and get more time in on course. And otherwise you just sit in your hotel for another two days. <laughs> You raced uh, on the Friday in Waterloo as well. Does that have any effect on the freshness you have on the Sunday, or is it still too early in the season to really feel the tiredness of such a race? Yeah, it's pretty early to feel any fatigue from it. I think I think most riders have the fitness. I think I feel I have the fitness to do that that effort and then um, you know recover Saturday, and then race Sunday. And I did not do the USCX series the weekend before Waterloo. So I knew I had already had that rest. I knew I was fresh mentally, physically, and ready to race. And, um, you know, it's only four races on this block between Wisconsin and Arkansas. So for me, it made sense to do it. Um, Whereas, you know, Vincent and Eric Bruner both chose to skip the Friday race and compete only Sunday um, because they did all three weekends in a row of, USCX series and this was their fourth week in a row Fayetteville will be their fifth weekend in a row and that's a lot of racing um so you see you know who took a rest who didn't and then Curtis did all the USCX races and Friday and Sunday but so it's interesting to see how that plays out and you know maybe he would have beaten Eric Bruner if he had not raced Friday maybe not you know it's so hard to so hard to say you know what would really happen um and some some athletes just love to race and race and race and they get better and better and better. Um, and it's just more experience, more speed in the legs, um, and you're just more in it. Um, so it's each their own, I think. Now you mentioned the USCX series. Let's talk about the main protagonist there, Vincent Bastans from the Spit CX team. Just like last year, he came to the United States to do these races. He's been there before as well. For the people who don't know his story, it's one of his relatives. I think it's his uncle or something that has some chicken farm in the US, which makes it a little cheaper for him to come as he can stay there. And this year he also took his girlfriend Anne-Marie Worst with him. What is the effect for the American riders to have 
two of the better European riders come over and race the American circuit, which is also broadcasted now since last year. Yeah, I think it's it's really good for us. It's really good for us to have, you know, somebody who can really push us and, you know, beat us. And, um, you know, when we're just competing against ourselves, we're, you know, improving, but not in the same way as when we go to Europe. Or, you know, it's great to have Europeans come here. That makes it even even better for us to have them come race us on our own courses. Uh, I think it raises the level for all of us and, and it creates a different dynamic of knowing, you know, knowing that there's somebody who is better physically and technically, but, you know, not totally out of reach as Curtis showed. Uh, you know, he's, he's very, very, very good, but not no longer un, completely unbeatable as Curtis was able to do at um, Charm City. But I think it's really fun. It's really fun to have him here. I think he enjoys it. Yeah, he has his family. And he, so he likes to come over and do those races and, you know, gather up a lot of points and a lot of prize money. And I think, you know, kind of it seems like he really has fun. And I think, uh, like I said, it definitely changes how we race by, um, you know, when someone you know is the strongest, you won't, you know, you don't pull them, you don't work for them. Um, it definitely is a little bit of each man for himself, but also not enough organization for all of us to gang up on Vincent. Like you might see in a road race, for example, um, cause you know, we're not, we're USA teammates, but we're not teammate teammates. Um, so it's hard to it'd be hard to organize and say, uh, all right, you're going to get fourth. You're going to get third. And someone's going to, this person's going to get first. So that Vincent doesn't win, you know, for each of us, it's, you know, we'd each probably rather be second or third ourselves than, get fifth but not have vincent win for example so it's very you know it's cyclocross it's not it's not always the same team tactics you would see in road no i understand that but if we look at this year last year we had vincent bastans winning almost i think he won all of them and he won quite some with a pretty big margin and this year at least that's how i viewed it i thought that there were Plenty of riders that came close on many occasions, and then eventually we even had Vincent Bastans being beaten by Curtis in an epic battle. But we've had many battles, also with Eric Bruner the day before. Do you think that the level of the American riders has improved this year, and that the level is higher than last year, or do you think that Vincent Bastans this year has a slightly lower level than last year? I think Vincent's he's not old. He's older than some riders, but he's not so old that he's you know, losing strength or fitness yet. So I think he's as good as he's ever been physically and obviously technically and tactically he is um, superb. And I, so I agree that I would think that I think Eric Bruner is at a higher level. I think Curtis is at a higher level. I think I'm at a higher level. I think a lot of the U S riders have really worked hard to step it up. And I think that's shown by Eric Bruner, you know, fighting it out. You know, I think there are three or four races where he was within, you know, one to two to three seconds with Vincent. And then same with Curtis, finally besting him in Charm City. I think, um, yeah, I think that we're all trying to, you know, raise our level and compete for real. Even even if it's in the U.S. and not Europe, you know, we are trying to really show what we can do and show that we can try and be there. Yeah, you mentioned that you yourself have a higher level than last year. We spoke before the Cyclocross World Championships and since... You got a third place in Rochester, your first ever USCX series podium. How was that for you? Thank you. Yeah, it was it was um, it was phenomenal. I was very very pleased. I've 
prepared specifically for cyclocross season more so than I have in other years and focused less on mountain biking and other things over the summer. And, um, yeah, that was my first category one podium and to do it at a, you know, a big race like that with, your, you know, Vincent there and everything else, um, was, yeah, very, very exciting and everything I've been working for for a while now to finally come together and, um, happen. You also got two sixth places, which were also very good results. What's next for you? What's your goal for the remainder of the American season? And then eventually we'll come to speak about the, your European campaign, if there will be any this year, a bit later. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I was happy with Virginia, and I think that was a good way to start the year. You know, come in at a good level, but not uh, not too fast. Um, and then, yeah, next up after the Fayetteville World Cup, I will do Major Taylor Cross Indianapolis, which is where I went to university. And then, um, so my my other home course there, I have a few. I feel like I have a few now. <laughs> um, but that was yeah, that was the home course. I coast down the hill from my dorm room, my apartment, and uh, 30 seconds later, I'm at the UCI race course. So I've ridden, ridden many laps there. Um, so after that, I'll go to Massachusetts for the last round of USCX series. And uh, our the Pan American Championships were just moved to Friday before that race. So we will race uh, Pan American Championships Friday, the C1 and the C2 of the USCX series Saturday, Sunday. Um, so three big races in a row with the Pan Ams and the final for the USCX series. Yeah, well, that's definitely uh, that's definitely quite something. Uh, the Pan Ams were supposed to be held in Costa Rica, which I thought was interesting, pretty exciting, to be honest. But unfortunately, they lost their venue and there were some issues behind the scenes as well. So it's pretty interesting that they now found, found a new location. And uh, yeah, that's going to be busy. After that, still a European trip coming or... Yeah, so after after uh, Pan American Championships and USCX, I'll take some rest and then ramp up the training to a very high level for our national championships. That's always a bigger goal, you know, bigger than Pan Ams always, and um, that's there'll be a lot of focus for me there. And then after uh, nationals, I'll take a little, you know, brief few days of rest, and then I'll come over to Europe. I think maybe the week after, and hopefully plan to stay there from the 20th of December all the way through the World Championships in Hoogerheide. Sounds interesting and hopefully we will have a chance to speak to you there when you come back to Europe. Now let's focus a bit on the women's race in Fayetteville. How much do you as a rider yourself get with you from the women's race because you are preparing for your own race do you even notice anything or are you then already completely focused and is it just warm-up own routine? It depends a little bit. Usually the time gap between when they start and finish and when I start start is so close that there's not a whole lot I can do. But sometimes uh, I'll, you know, watch the start of the women's race to see what happens in the first quarter and other things. And um, sometimes if I see a friend or a competitor I know in the women's race who just finished as I'm rolling to the start or warming up, I'll ask them if there are things things they noticed or things that happened um, or, if, you know, a fellow mechanic or something I see is coming back from the pit and they, you know, a lot of times if they see something uh, worth noting, they will share that information. Um, but overall, once it's time to warm up and start preparing, it's really totally focused on that. And a lot of the small details are already finished. The tire pressure done, the tire choice is usually done unless, uh, you know, it's very muddy. For example, and say 
you know, we have races where conditions change so rapidly that you have to change tires uh, based on other information between pre-ride or pre-lap and when the women's raced and then they tear up the course and then it's time for the men's race. So you didn't see much from that epic women's race in Waterloo? Unfortunately not. Yeah, I think when it, while warming up, I saw yeah, I saw the start before I was on the trainer and I think I saw the sprint at the finish. Uh, but other than that, I mostly just watched the replays, unfortunately. <laughs> but from the replays, what was your key takeaway? Did anybody really throw away that win or was there nothing they could do against Van Empel? Yeah, I think I think we saw last season she has a really great sprint and I think um, based on the finish of that course and from myself, you know, not being able to out, you know, sprint around anybody at the end there, I think you really have to you really have to be in the lead be, before really that off camber. You have to make the pass into the off camber, do that off camber on Factory Hill, and then it's basically, you know, two one eighties turns, the flyover and then another 180 into the sprint finish. Um, so unless the rider in front of you makes an error, there's really no passing. So I think for Celine, uh, yeah, Celine, she would have needed to be, you know, I don't want to tell her what to do, but uh, I think for any rider trying to win that, win a sprint there, you really have to lead into it because uh, it's so hard to pass. And there's many sections of that course where you put in such a big effort and you want to pass, when there's good passing, but you have to I just, you just tried so hard in the prior section to make the pass. You have to go even over, farther over the limit. And it's very challenging to be on that gas, be on the gas and hold that wheel and then punch it to make the pass before the next technical section and then not crash in that section and then be able to hold it again on the next straightaway and then not crash on the barriers and other things. You know, it's, it's like cross. There's so many, so many variables and, always always changing <laughs> yeah we already discussed the course and in a way it's going to be similar and i expect a similar scenario in the women's race as to waterloo pretty close racing but ultimately we saw there were some differences in terms of performance we saw that brand alvarado and van empel were slightly stronger in waterloo of course the form of the day matters a rider like vorst or van der heide or even denise betsema that got dropped if they have a good day, they are able to keep up. But I expect personally that Brandt is going to be in a similar scenario as she was at the World Championships. There she had to deal with Marianne Voss. Voss, we know as well, is a great sprinter and Brandt needed to get rid of her. She wasn't able to do so. And for Brandt, I fear it's going to be the same because now she needs to deal with Van Empel. And Van Empel really, to me, looks like a younger version of Marianne Voss. We should not call her the new Voss because she's going to be Femme Van Empel. But she has a very similar profile, very rapid acceleration, super explosive, is able to do almost everything super great technically, although not not one hundred not the best, but still very good. And I just don't see where Brandt is going to drop Van Empel if she has the same legs as in Waterloo and as we've seen earlier this season. Yeah, I think it's it would take such a high pace for the entire race from Brandt to be able to wear them down um, on that course because it's even, it's even less technical or, you know, it would take very, very hard, sharp accelerations. But like you said, if Van Eppel is really good with those accelerations, it'd be very hard for Braun to 
uh, yeah, for Lucinda to get rid of her anywhere. And um, she's clearly, you know, Ben Apple clearly has a great sprint. And I wonder, um, I, I would be not, not be surprised if we saw multiple, you know, big, you know, larger sprints, both in both the men's and the women's races, because it's just less decisive of a course. And um, I think, yeah, it's early and a lot of, there are a lot of riders who are very competitive in both fields at the moment, I think. And it'll be interesting to see, um, yeah, without those additional technical features like Waterloo has uh, to weed out some some really strong riders who aren't as good technically, you know, it will let more strong riders be there at the end. Of course, after the World Cup in Waterloo, we can't discount Cienda Carmen Alvarado for the win anymore. She really had a tough season and the final bit of the 2020 season wasn't that nice either when she had the crash in the Ostende World Championships and couldn't properly defend her title there. That race in Waterloo really was the rebirth of Alvarado in a way. I saw a lot of willpower, a lot of mental strength in that race. Do you think that she can repeat such a good race and such a mindset here in Fayetteville this weekend? Yeah, I think I was excited to see her up there again. And it was, you know, I'd, I'd, cert- I'd not forgotten about her, but, you know, she was not, hadn't been, been fighting for it like that in a while. And I think uh, seeing her riding with confidence, riding with that fitness and that technical ability, I think it's no mistake. I think you do it once, you're going to do it again. Um, and, Knowing, knowing she was, she was so close to winning that World Cup again, I think will only make her hungrier. And I think she's she's confident in her her form now and her technical ability and everything else. And I think she's yeah, she's certainly capable of yeah taking it this weekend. I think the smile on the picture after the race, which you can see on the screen right now if you're watching on YouTube, really says everything. She was happy to be at the front, and yes, okay, she lost, but for her it was already a win to be in contention for a win again on a course that let's be honest doesn't really suit her she's better in the mud on the more technical courses and yes Waterloo has a lot of corners but mostly high speed Alvarado really likes the accelerations Baal for instance perfect course for her but I think that really told everything Alvarado was super happy to be up there and maybe just maybe this sets her mind free a bit as well because I can imagine that after such a tough season, the media being very critical about you pre-season, also after your first races, that you really have the urge to perform and really want to perform, and that this can really set yourself free, give you this free mindset, and now think, oh, I know, finally I've proven to myself, I'm capable of what I know I should be able to do. I've recovered from the Pfeiffer virus infection I had, I've recovered from the wrist uh, surgery that I have undergone, super happy and i really hope that she can pick up that momentum and continue to fight at the front because at the end we all want to see these amazing battles and van empel brand hopefully in a while a bit peterson with van empel and van anroy joining the battle at the front of course the world champion mariana Foss. the names are coming thick and fast these days so i really hope uh, for interesting races there let's talk about some of the other contenders then for a win or a podium we had Anna-Marie Worst. You've seen her in action in the USCX series a couple of times. Do you think that she is able to compete for the podium? Or do you think that maybe Waterloo was a bit of a telling race? That she's good, but just not good enough? Yeah, I'm not certain for, um, how, what I think 
Um, I think she's she seemed very good technically. I think she really likes the mud, and I think you know she did quite quite well in Rochester in the mud, and she obviously did well the day before in the dry as well. But those were all Americans she was competing against, and um, I think yeah, I think she's she's very strong. She's very good technically, but I think you know not I'm no expert, but I think she probably prefers courses that are different than Waterloo and very different from uh, Fayetteville. I think Fayetteville is, yeah, an even faster, you know, less technical version of the Waterloo course. And I think both are, both are very American courses in a way that, um, yeah, maybe, maybe not her favorite for where she would want to try and really, really, you know, win a, win a world cup, which would probably be more muddy and more technical. Yeah, Borst also likes the sand in combination with the mud. Won the Cocksider World Cup last year. We know she does good on the Koppenberg. Those are really the better races for her. And I agree, these courses, especially if they are fast, are not perfect for Borst. I do think that her form is pretty good. There was a story that she had a bad night of sleep the day before and that that influenced her. I'm not sure how accurate it was, but it was mentioned on the Belgian broadcast. So it could be some factors in it. I thought that Betsema looked pretty strong, but Betsema is not exactly good in positioning herself. If she is able to improve that in fight view, I think that Betsema is able to stay with the front runners longer, maybe potentially even play some team tactics with Van van Empel, which we saw on one occasion in Waterloo. And then Betsema can also have a shot at victory, and I, I look forward to it. I expect... Uh, close battle and ultimately I think it's hard to tell but I do expect Van Empel to come out on top simply on the fact that she has a very strong sprint in the end. Let's talk still about some Americans. We already talked about the USCX series, the level of Curtis White, the level of Eric Brunner who almost got a top World Cup top 10 in Waterloo. But on the women's side Clara Honsinger is doing very well. She ended 7th in Waterloo, of course, we know the story of last season, won the Koppenberg Cross, had a couple of other strong showings, including in Dendermonde. Do you think that she has also made a step this year? Yeah, I think she, you know, she's on a different team. She raced a lot of road. She started her season later. I think um, she did smaller local races out in Oregon where she lives and did not do the first three rounds of the USCX series. And I saw some people were you know, thought that was a reflection of American cyclocross, but I, you know, it's obvious that she's preparing for a long season um, and the long-term goals of nationals and the world championships. So it seemed like she was taking uh, intentional rest and delaying her season and delaying the travel to make sure she was, um, you know, well-rested mentally and physically and in the form she wanted to be in to start these World Cups and to carry that momentum through, you know, the next four months of the year. Um, I think there's no mistake that so many European racers do a great deal of road, you know, during the off season from cyclocross and that works well for many of them. Um, and Clara did, I think if I understand correctly, she did a lot more road this past summer than maybe she's done in the past. Um, or even, even more, she's always done a good deal. Um, so I think that maybe that was a good big factor in her preparation maybe it was intentional for cross maybe not i don't know maybe it was just what her team wanted her to do but either way uh all that stage racing all that road racing has obviously worked well for many european racers uh preparing for cyclocross and i think uh she's certainly still improving she's certainly very hungry um i think she wants wants that world cup win and everything else i think she's shown she can do it 
on American soil and, you know, shown she can podium in races in Europe, which is obviously a big step ahead um, from racing in the U.S. in its own way. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what she can do this fall. I'm also very excited, I hope, for her that she's able to improve the starts a bit. There looks to have been some work done. She is now working also with Crystal Hermans, who is, in my opinion, a very good person to help Clara develop that. And of course, she will always be a diesel. And we saw it in Waterloo as well. The lap times went down lap after lap and she caught riders. And that's okay, but the damage needs to be limited if you are racing on a fast course. And if you start on the first or second row, you really shouldn't be ending up in 30th in the first corner. If she can like limit that damage to like an 18th place or something, the results will already be much better because you probably know it as well as any other racer. On every course, there's at some point one bottleneck. And if you arrive there in 30th position, you're just losing 20 seconds there already compared to the leaders. And it's so hard to recover that that's only possible on courses like the Koppenberg, like Namur, like these super thick mud races that we saw in Dendermonde. And you can't have that every week. And if you're on a fast course like Rukve, Tabor, Waterloo, it's just not happening. But I think the signs so far are promising already. The fact that she won the C1 race in Waterloo. And I think she's also on the start list for the C1 and Fight View. So I think that's going to be interesting. And I really look forward to her the racing, hopefully at a bit higher level again compared to last year. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think she knows her starts are a weakness. And yeah, like you said, when you're trying to race for the win, you can't be in 30th. Well, the eventual, win eventual winners are still in first you know, saving energy and not getting stuck in traffic. And I did my fair share of getting stuck in traffic this weekend. And yeah, on a fast course, you pay the price so quickly uh, in the mud. Like you said, you can move up, you can work through people. The gaps are slower, you know, drafting is not important as important. The speed is not as high and the, you know, it's less tight, you know, less, less drafting, less group racing um, in the mud, obviously, but uh, yeah, Waterloo. Yeah. Once you're, once you're behind that, group in front of you it's takes a monumental effort to close it and um same in Fayetteville if you miss miss the train you you really miss the wheel you know yeah of course and we will I think see some interesting races do you dare to make a prediction for the winner in the men's and women's race hmm gosh I think the way Ely rode this past week he that was really that was really high. I mean, that was a really high level to go out on that course and ride that like that and just keep the pace so high that, you know, someone just, you know, breaks trying to chase you down. And I mean, he was a minute and 19 seconds ahead of Lars in third. Um, I mean, that is a, that was a huge, that's a huge gap for the podium. Um, so that shows a very, very high level. And um, even if other riders are there with him later, I think, the way he can probably do up that steep climb at the end. I think he will, he will find his way to win, even if it's later and not from the beginning. Um, and for the women. Yeah, I think I would not be surprised if I saw a sprint finish and saw Van, Fem Van Eppel take the sprint there. Yeah, I will have to agree with you on both easy beat. So strong in world to do also looked strong in the Belgian races, which well, in a way, on the previous podcast, Islam said they were sponsor parades, and in a way, it's kind of correct. But on the other hand, it is still decent level racing, and there are stakes at line. 
But of course, we know the riders are peaking towards the European Championships, at least most of them in this phase of the season or the start of the World Cup. So I do think Izabit at this moment is the best. Will that stay for the rest of the early season? I'm not too sure. I can bring the news that uh, Quinton Hermans will be starting his cross season on the 20th of October in nine days time in Ardoia, and he will race until the European Championships then take a break and then depending on how it went he will reassess and look when he's fit again to start his cross season that could be an interesting factor the rumors of Van der Poel starting his cross season at the European Championships are still very much unconfirmed and full speculation so it's going to be interesting but for now I just think he's a beat is the best and if he wins like he did in Waterloo he fully deserves that and Van Empel I already said it's simply the strongest in the sprint yeah Absolutely. And yeah, it's always interesting. Ely comes in very fast every season, it seems, and then, you know, slows down a little, but then brings it up later in the year. Um, but he's definitely shown, I feel like for at least, well, the three years he's won Waterloo now, uh, he's shown he can, you know, start these seasons at an incredibly high level. And um, you know, also deal with the jet lag and everything else and all the other factors come to the U.S., be somewhere different. And um, yeah, obviously compete at the highest, highest level. So Always, always interested to see how that plays out through a long season when you come in so, so strong. Um, but I'm not his coach, so, you know, <laughs> he's making his choices. I'm no expert. We'll leave the coaching uh, to Mario de Klerk, and I assume you have your own coach who will be working with you. And thank you for being here today. And, of course, good luck in Fayetteville. Thank you. What's your goal for the race still? Um. Let's see, this past weekend I was 25th after I had my own very poor start, as I mentioned. Uh, I think I think if I ride well, top 20 is the goal. I think that's what I'm capable of for sure. It's a good day. And if everything is, you know, it's a perfect day, you know, the goal would be top 15. I think I'm capable of it. And this past weekend, Waterloo was definitely definitely a little under where I'd like to have been, what I thought I could do. And it was even, you know, at a lower level than where I was Friday. So um yeah i think top 20 in the world cup top 15 if everything is you know very 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 perfect <laughs> which for world cup that's always the goal best of luck thank you again for being here and now that's all that's left for me is to wish all our listeners a very pleasant day and we will be back after the world cup in waterloo with a new podcast to debrief everything thanks for listening and goodbye